everybody. Turn it up, Charles. Just turn up in my headphones right now. I don't have to. I don't have time to waste. Uh, right away, sir. Turning it up. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. If you have soap, now is the time to wash your hands and face and feet. If you do not have soap, then just go ahead and rinse your hands and face and feet. Because today, we are talking about the one, the only, The Slow Regard of Silent Things by Patrick Rothfuss. Ah. At first, when you started saying that, I thought that was that was a <laughs> pandemic take. It was like, everyone, get out there, wash your hands. 20 seconds, warm water. I mean, Ari's pretty good. You know, she's um, quarantining. She's isolating. She's constantly washing her hands. She's in good shape. But no, this was just a callback to something that was repeated many times in a very short book. It just stuck with me. So, Mm. yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good lines that stuck with me in that whole (laughs) and (laughs) that whimsical. Tone that yes, Ari you could also say we we know the way of podcasting. Uh, we are going to uh, we're going to share that with you today. So well, you know, it's uh, it's well worth doing things the proper way. <laughs> well worth it. Very well said. So yes, everyone, the the time has finally come for us to talk about the last piece of the King Killer Chronicles that we've been holding on to tightly, dearly closely and that is this short little would you call it a novella would you call yeah. it that yeah i think novella is no- technically right the novella of well, a beautifully titled book by the way the slow regard of silence great Angel. title i love that title in a genre full of just terrible book titles this one <laughs> It's true. That's what we are harshest. I think that's what we're harshest (laughs) on the fantasy genre about is titles. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the modern stuff, anyway. For the older stuff, you could be like, you know, a lot of other problematic things. But for the modern stuff, it's definitely it's the blank of blank movie title format that I'm over for the most part. Yeah, I'm over it too. But the slow regard of silent things, I know that, you know, we've got got a little more stuff going on in there. It's still the base of blank of blank. We've got an adjective. Yeah. Slow. Um, it's but true. It's just a beautiful sentence and sentiment that I think gets across. It's a line taken right out of the book. So it's not surprising that it gets across Rothfuss's wonderful voice. Exactly. And it's one of those things where it's very atmospheric in like what it's describing. And it, even though it might not make a lot of sense, it makes sense, especially through Ari's perspective. So yes, this is a story with only one character. There's like no dialogue, really. There's no climax, rising action, this, that, the other thing. Um, It's just a short little piece about Ari and the six days that She's preparing for Quoth's arrival back uh, near the Underthing. And, uh, is saying that it was six days a spoiler, Charles? Um, <laughs> no. It's hard to feel that there are spoilers <laughs> to slow regard of silent things. I think there has to be some sort of 
I don't mean this in a way that degrades a book. I actually, or the novella, I actually really enjoyed it. But uh, I, I also think, I guess you probably need a plot to have spoilers. Yeah, is that yes. Fair, Charles? That is fair. There's no plot here, really, which only is to its benefit, I would say. Have you read this before? I know you, you had read, before we started the show, you had read um, both books in the Kingkiller Chronicles, but had you read this short story? Yeah, I read this immediately after I first read the first couple books, and it was pretty new back then. I don't remember what year it came out, but that's probably the year I was reading the Kingkiller Chronicle. Let's Just see. coincidentally. According uh, to Goodreads, they don't put the year. 2014. I'm seeing it now. Okay. So, yeah, so it must have been late 2014, which makes sense. I, I remember still... Uh, it That's being, right around like senior year of college. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess, I I guess I was graduated at that point. I graduated. It'd be May twenty fourteen. So I guess I just graduated college. Um. So yeah, I I did read it the first time I read it on a Kindle, which is uh, if I know you at all, Charles. I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's what you did, and then. You mentioned to me that Rothfuss narrates the audiobook. That's so right. So this time around, I was like, you know, I kind of want to hear Rothfuss. <laughs> it's a hard opportunity story, to pass so up, right? The this time I audiobooked work. it. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, you know, you were half right because I listened to the audiobook first and then I went back and read it on the Kindle. Wow. Because, because here's the thing I was listening to it because it was like the author himself reading his own book. It was only three hours. I mean, how could you not give that a chance? And then I was listening to it and I was enjoying it. And there were so many great like lines and sentences and vocabulary words that I didn't know. And I just felt like it was all whizzing by me. And I felt I couldn't tell if Patrick was just stuffing this with clues or not. You know, because like every time she's in a new room and describes a new thing or she's afraid of something or she mentions a name. I'm like, are these like clues and mad hints that that Rothfuss is peppering throughout this book? Because this book is stuffed with stuff that might seemingly be um, have larger implications. And I just wasn't sure. And I just felt like it was whizzing by me so fast, even with like he wasn't like reading it fast. He was he did an excellent job. For someone who's not like a trained voice actor, he was, I wouldn't have known really. His voice is nice and low and kind of gravelly and he did a good job. But I just felt because it was so short and I listened to it so fast, I would just give it a chance on the Kindle to kind of highlight some of those descriptions and vocab words. And I was glad I did. That makes a lot of sense. I I felt pretty free having already read this and feeling like I know I don't think there's a lot of secrets being revealed I think there's some that we can get into that are important for the larger King Killer Chronicle there's some things that are more implied really than revealed about Ari maybe a couple things are actually revealed but I'd say that have it coming in knowing that I have those already. Right. I kind of just let the audiobook kind of like happen to me in this book. You know, we talked a lot about how the main King Killer books are 
about the journey, not the destination. And I think Rothfuss doubles down on it with <laughs> slow regard because this this doesn't even really pretend to have a destination. Um, it is all journey and just enjoy being in Ari's head for a little while because it's a, an interesting and whimsical place to be, sometimes tortured, I guess, but it's it's definitely an interesting perspective. I agree. And I... For a, for a book that has um, no plot and and it seems to meander, I had a great time with it. And the whole idea of, of Ari understanding the way of things, which I guess we can get a little more in depth to the book now. It's um, what the, the thing I loved most about learning more about Ari and just watching her go about her day to day is that we've seen Ari from the perspective of Quoth in the Kingkiller Chronicles. And in those scenes, he's always like worried about her and is always like trying to protect her and like making sure she eats and has proper nutrition. And uh-huh. like he genuinely worries for her. And in when you now are reading through Ari's perspective, she seems to have a greater understanding of the world around her. She says she knows she's the master of the way of things. And so she understands she can look at something and be like, oh, that thing is a wild thing and it's angry because it's not in the right place or, oh, this is a beautiful thing. It's happy where it is or, oh, we should move this thing. And she's very confident and content in what she knows. So it was very interesting to see kind of the different perspectives. And it, you know, even at by the end of the book, I was still wondering, like, Ari's kind of true nature. Is she really like a a master of the way of things or is she more like I kept thinking of that scene with him is his name like Elodin Elodin yeah where he's like the professor of of naming mm-hmm. and when he's with Quoth and Ari and a it's how do you pronounce it again say it one more time Elodin Elodin so Elodin and Quoth are both looking at each other like like I try and bring her stuff, but she doesn't take it. It's like, oh, I brought her like this fish, so she'll have like some iron in her diet and all this other stuff. And meanwhile, she can see into them and like know the kind of people they are and all these other things. So it's like, which person is she? Is she both? I just thought it was really interesting in that perspective. It is interesting. I think what a lot of people are wondering after this, after reading this, is is Ari a namer? I think that there's if I had to land on either side of that, I would say she she probably is in the sense that she has the capability to name things. But I think most of what's happening when she's saying that she's not supposed to shape the world to her desires and she often uses the word wicked to describe herself when she's having a desire to shape the world rather than kind of right. like listen to what the world ought to be and and shape things in line with what the world wants it to be. Right. I think what she's getting at, and, and she kind of says at one point, I didn't pull the quote or anything, but she says at one point that like before she understood the way of things, she had studied how to like shape the world to what she wants. And I have to think that she was studying naming in some capacity there. And that's what she's getting at when she's saying, oh yeah, I could. I could shape things to what I want, but I'm not supposed to do that. And why that is, I think we don't know yet. 
Right. What we do know is that a lot of people that study naming like can go crazy. And we even know Aladdin as a professor, he is a bit of an eccentric guy himself. Sometimes a lot of the things he says kind of mirror what um Art uh oh shoot, what, Ari. what Ari, Ari is thinking, right? So it's interesting in that way that the spirit of naming where when you start to try and understand like an object and its name and its attitude. And and that was, this will either make or break if you like this book or not. If you can listen to Ari describe things and you actually feel an emotional connection to a thing just from the way that, that Ari's describing it. It's like, Oh, this, this is like an angry thing, like the blizzard on a mountaintop or something. And you're like, Oh wow. Okay. (laughs) So uh, you, you start to feel for these objects and she starts to, have a connection with them and and be able to move them around and that kind of understanding of naming can break like a lot of people consider they're going like they go insane and and it's a tragic thing to happen to someone and even Aelin says stuff that sounds like nonsense it's very like stream of conscious just vibing on something and not trying to actually shape it and understand it and things like that it's very much like a you just kind of know it and understand it without trying to to out to like tie it down which we going back to that thing of like the moon and like trying to catch it it's like no you just kind of channel it and you vibe with it and and it it is what it is so that kind of was a you know unique aspect in the descriptions of things in this book it's so wild and and Rothfuss does a great job of making you connect with it while still making it like playful and loose and and not necessarily a concrete description, if that makes sense. For sure. I totally get what you're saying there. I I think that he, it really is amazing. And he mentions that uh, this, his friend who read the book, he, he mentions yeah. this in his, uh, what was it, an author's note? or He called that? it an author's note, end note, an author's end note. Yeah. So in that end note, he mentions that his friend said that she was basically more attached to the inanimate objects in this She novella. said, I felt more of an emotional connection to the inanimate objects in this story than I usually feel towards entire characters in other books. <laughs> yeah, and it just speaks to how talented Rothfuss is that he's able to do that because you're so in Ari's perspective, and while it keeps that incredible Rothfuss prose the the word that kept coming up for me and I've used already here is whimsical like he leans in way more on this sort of whimsical feel to the prose than you get when you're in quotes perspective Uh, and it harkens back to some of what you've mentioned a lot of in our main episodes on the King Killer Chronicle Charles where Mm -hmm. you're saying Rothfuss knows so well how to get in the heads of his characters and portray their voices especially even when Quoth is telling a story that someone else told and now we get this totally different kind of prose but it's still got the characteristic beauty that comes with any Rothfuss prose and I felt that it was really cool seeing Rothfuss get across (laughs) like these awesome (laughs) like poetic sentences but so Ari's voice I mean there's one that I I've grabbed a few lines. And sure, let's hear one. There's, uh, I, I, there's a lot of repeating words, 
obviously purposefully and it's one I grabbed here was nothing was nothing else. Nothing was anything it shouldn't be. I had that highlighted. I was looking at that right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so a great good. One. And even, and all of these, I think are have so much depth in getting across this concept that you were talking about, Charles, with like Ari's understanding of the world. But even some of these just, <laughs> one I grabbed was she stood there still as still. Then eyes closed, she brushed brushed the smooth side of it soft across her lips. It was a tender, thoughtful motion. It was nothing like a kiss. I mean, that, I mean, I have no poetic rhythm. And even hearing myself say that, it had a, t- a teeny bit of rhythm to it. Uh, Rothfuss gets it across much better than me. And I just love that she stood there still as still. Like, still <laughs> as still. I mean, I would never imagine that would be like good writing to say still as still but so, it's so good and you kind of with even though it doesn't make any sense you also understand it which yeah. is the whole idea of naming in itself which is what mm. makes this whole thing like very genius it's like it, it's still as still so it, someone like quoth would be like well that doesn't mean anything and then El- eladin would just slap him and be like forget it we'll try again <laughs> throw him off a roof yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the- it is still as still it's still bro like that's what it is <laughs> and you either get that or you don't you're either a namer or you're not no it's so, so good and the book is good. full of that uh, here's a description it's not repetitive or anything but it's just one that i really liked you're talking about a key just a key mm-hmm. keys were hardly known for their complacency and this one was near howling for a lock like oh just, that's so good that's all in the, the book is full of those like it's pretty amazing I could I mean, just read a whole bunch that I've highlighted. I'm going through my Kindle now, like looking at all of the different quotes that I had highlighted, and it's it's just never ending of stuff like that in this short book. That's pretty much most of what it is. Yeah, I mean, this is one that it, like we said, doubles down on that it's about the journey and it's not about the destination here, and it made me actually think of a quote that I think you and and hopefully many of our listeners will appreciate, which is, uh, I didn't think I would be the one necessarily quoting Lord of the Rings here. Oh, I'm listening. But not all who wander are lost (laughs) comes to mind. Because I think that this book, like it's all wander. There's nowhere it's going really. A hundred percent. And but it's never lost. It's always it. I mean, just like that quote I just read, um, it isn't anything it shouldn't be. Right. It, nothing. Nothing in it is anything it shouldn't be. No, I, I, I. Well, first of all, you've come a long way. I'm proud of you for for quoting Lord of the Rings. That's excellent. <laughs> and it's very true in this case. I feel like that's kind of the make or break point for you for this book. Uh, it, it's just can you get on board with the ride of just us a little girl or who just who looks like a little girl anyway wandering around playing with different like moving things around and learning more about the under thing and it's just for me I I enjoyed it greatly but I could definitely see people having issues with it um, but anyway like to to talk to, to to kind of pivot discussions here. One of the things like before we get into like actually reviewing it or whatever, 
uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about with Ari, my this question coming kept coming up for me as as I was listening to her is is she a tragic character or not? Like Quoth is tragic in that we know his ending is bad, and Ari like we don't we're not sure how to feel like she's it, I, at least I'm not sure how to feel about her. Like from her own voice, for the most part, she seems very whimsical and also in a weird way very understanding, very wise. But mm-hmm. there's moments. First of all, just from King Killer Chronicles, where she, we know that she appears almost emaciated and quote like worries about her from just like a she's so in her mind that she's not taking care of herself. And that happened in this book where she real she was feeling lightheaded and she was like, oh, I guess I, like she decides to go eat, you know, so she's kind of like neglecting her nutrition yeah. sometimes. She gets caught in the way of things. And then we know on like the third day or something, she spent that whole day. It's just that whole chapter. All it was was one sentence. Like on the third day, like Ari wept, and that next yeah next page that next was freaking beautiful. So, so it's like what? Too. And then she can get very angry, like when she found out the soap was. T- so it's like for me, is 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 Ari a tragic character or not? And are these all clues of are like this mystery around Ari's identity? Is this going to play a bigger role in the King Killer Chronicles and? Like, was the purpose of this book just to enjoy the ride, or is Patrick also dropping in like a thousand million clues? Because every sentence is so open ended that's like it could be a clue, it could be not. Like the way she reacts to certain things, that was like, oh, I don't like that place at all. That place is bad. It's like, oh my gosh, are we gonna have to remember that? <laughs> like for for book three, you know. And it, it, for me, it all comes back to Ari's true nature. Is is she tragic? Is she happy? She's a bit of I'm not sure. It's a good question, Charles. The thing that stuck out to me around this topic is one thing that comes to mind is after, underneath all of it, I think Ari does believe herself to be, as she would say, wicked. I think she sees herself as as someone who has to work ridiculously hard against their quote-unquote wicked nature in order to be in alignment with the world. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's hard not to feel like there's at least quite a lot of tra- a tragic nature to her character. Because if at your core, what you believe about yourself is that you're corrupted or bad then yeah that's that's pretty tragic we don't know where her story's going but we do we do feel that she's dealing with a lot when it comes to her self-concept and really just trying to make herself into what what she wants herself to be yeah no and i agree she definitely seems like a tragic and i think a lot of the points that she's kind of restraining herself is because she has that ability to impose her will and we kind of got a glimpse of it when she made the candle it's like i took all of my understanding and i channeled it and forced it into making this candle for quoth which normally would not would would have taken much longer to make but she didn't have the time so she gathered all of her kind of force of nature to to make this thing so you can kind of see the extent of her abilities. Um, but 
there's a part of me that's also like maybe she has no abilities at all you know maybe she is as quote an Ella didn't see her as someone whose mind just broke while being a student and now mm-hmm. is just hiding in the under thing it, uh, it, it's hard to tell at this point for me anyway it can be both too i think and when you're mm-hmm. describing the the tragic character bit part of what was coming up for me is i don't want it to feel like an either or discussion around mm-hmm. uh, is she or is she not a tragic character i think that she gets she definitely has lots of moments where she's I mean, extremely excited and feeling a lot of joy in this. I mean, so much so that she feels like she wants to dance and stuff like that. I think it harkens back to some of our conversation about uh, even with the Cathay making things terrible for Quoth and those around him, the Cathay can't make fruit all taste bad, right? Even if we're dealing with a lot of these really tragic things, we still get these moments of joy and i think ari definitely gets moments of joy and i think distinguishing between is she someone who's like quote unquote lost her mind in the university because she learned about naming or whatnot uh, or is she just more in touch with the world i think it can be both right like she's in touch with something that or at least I believe her to be in touch with something that the vast majority of people aren't. And when you're this much in touch with it, then you can see how (laughs) if there's only one proper way of things, then even the slightest deviation from it is so hard for you to bear where I'm sure, (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, right? Ari imagines it like, Oh, what if someone else got this under thing at one point? And she's like, Oh, they'd be stomping around, like not understanding yeah. how where things are supposed to be at all right. and just ruin everything. But those people, assuming Ari does have this naming ability or understanding, those people are almost blissfully ignorant of the ways that they are not uh, in alignment with the world. So they aren't distressed by it in the way Ari is. Uh, right. But they they're still as out of alignment uh, uh, way more probably than she is. Agreed. So with that in mind, Ari definitely seems to have this special ability. And one of the things I was thinking about is what's Ari's role going to be in the future in like book three and how is she going to help quote this book seems to be setting up a bunch of different kind of things and ideas like one being one of Ari's gifts to quote is a place to stay. And she seems to know him enough that he's going to need a place to hide in the under yeah. thing for a period of time. He, she can see that he's going to become like broken and lost. I think maybe she had said, I, I can't remember her exact words, but something along those lines. And she also like, for me, that chapter of the third day when she just cried, yeah. that to me, like, that speaks to something of her backstory that might have larger implications um, with Quoth as well. It's like, how did she get here? Is this a mystery that's going to weave itself into the greater plot of how Quoth came to be 
the king killer, you know? So those kind of mysteries that were set up in this book uh, were very interesting to me. And there's been a lot of kind of fan, fan theory speculation around Ari's backstory and how it weaves into Quoth's story for King Killer 3. Well, I think one thing that, <laughs> as clear as clear, is that Ari has a good chance <laughs> nice. of being Princess Ariel uh, that yes. Quoth saves from sleeping borrow kings, whatever that ends up actually meaning. So Quoth mentions that he can uh, tell you the truth about Princess Ariel. I think names play such an important role in this story. We also get this moment where Elodin says to Quoth, like, hey, why did you call her Ari? And Quoth is like, ah, oh, like, it means blah, blah, blah in this language. And Elodin's like, no, it doesn't. Like, <laughs> and then Quoth is like, I don't know. It just feels right. And Quoth obviously has shown this talent for when he's not getting in his own way, this talent for naming right he names right. the and the lathani also like when he yeah. his he's best at the lathani when he closes his mind off and does a more stream of conscious kind of thought process that's true and it makes me think that maybe the lathani right is just another name for the thing that ari is just completely in touch with I right. would say yes, because there seems to be a lot of connections between the Lathani and being good at naming. Like, to be good at both, you have to just stop trying to, like, understand something and just be right with everything, you know? So, it's this idea of journey over destination. It's like, don't worry so much about where you're going to end up and why you're there and all this stuff. It just kind of let it channel through you as what it is, so... I definitely, there's a lot of overlap there. But anyway, yes, uh, I agree wholeheartedly about where you're going with Ari. So I think that if Quoth is calling her Ari, then there's there's something to that. And yes. obviously Elodin is noting it, so it'd be very shocking. It'd be a huge misdirect if she is not at least it'd be shocking honestly to me if she's not princess ariel i mean she's also described as almost when they'll have these little dinners or whatever together right. she'll be described as like very prim and proper in the way that she eats which feels like something that a princess would likely be so it's yeah, hard not to also said it was a good name and we know he's a master yes. namer so he might see something yeah. in ari that makes him agree with quoth and correct me if i'm wrong charles uh, if you if you yeah. remember but i think that that is the moment potentially where elodin says hey i think you might want to be in my naming class after all yes it is yes he that's when he decides to teach him is when he's he names ari well he finds out that he names ari and it's like oh and then ari we know in this book loves the name mm -hmm. and it's like he gave me a name and it's, you know, fantastic and all this other stuff. So he, it's, I think Eowyn, a master namer, knows more than Quoth does about yeah. Ari's past. And then so when he hears that he came up with Ari, which is pretty close, he's like, you know what? You might have this ability after all. Like, it is a good name. How would you like to take my name in class? I do think that that's kind of how events played out, which is a good hint 
into uh, Ari's nature. Well, I'm kind of, <laughs> I didn't look this up beforehand, Charles, because I didn't know we'd be going this way. So I'm kind of scrambling a little to, <laughs> I'm scrambling a little to get these names up in time, but that's kind of similar. If it does turn out that she's Princess Ariel and Quoth names are Ari, it's kind of similar to what happens with Quoth's sword when he gets it, right? Like he's, he kind of just wants to call the sword by a similar sounding name but right. not the same name as the one that it's been given. Yes. And I'm trying to remember, I'll see if I can, but it wasn't the perfect name. The sword's name was Cesara, and it's actually called Cesir or something like that. Right. Uh, but the point is something more like music or poetry. Yeah. Sometimes Quoth can just look at something and if he doesn't overthink it, then he'll be just spot on with much like Ari when she sees objects all the time she knows their names and where they go and how they're feeling and things like that so it's hard not to it's hard not to start connecting some dots here and saying how could Ari not be Princess Ariel so when it comes to her larger part in the story I think there's a lot that remains to be seen but I have to think that this Princess Ariel stuff is going to be important and it's going to be potentially related to the actual King Killer part of the King Killer Chronicle yes. because, I mean, a princess is uh, obviously we're getting pretty close in that royal family at that yeah. point to kings. Absolutely. And then maybe it has to do with something of Ari's tragic past as to how she ended up in the other thing. You know, princesses don't just go missing and people just accept that they're gone. <laughs> you know, you would think there'd have to be a lot that like people would be looking for her and like people would be worried about her or something. But uh, who knows? Maybe uh, they're better off without her. I don't know. Maybe they saw what she became and left her. Who, who knows? But there is some sort of tragedy that I think we're going to learn more about in future books. I hope we do anyway. Um I would like to know why she spent the whole day crying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it's such an interesting it's such an interesting thing Rolf is. Like does, maybe he was just like, where, Oh man, I, I I wrote too many days. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get down t- Well he obviously we saw at the end huge, huge slower guard spoiler coming up. Uh, <laughs> big reveal here. The big reveal. Uh, if you haven't read Charles it, are, Pause here. Skip ahead. <laughs> uh, well, Charles already revealed it, yeah. which is, I think she says seven days at the start, right? And then it ends up, oh, yeah. no, he's actually coming a day earlier. And so I think we know Roth is, isn't afraid to switch up the day number yeah. on us. So Not make there's a real reason. Seems. Yeah, there's a real reason he has on the third day she wept. And honestly, that's probably the thing that most stuck with me from the book when I read it, I guess like six years ago from this recording anyway, maybe more because this is a banked episode. <laughs> right. right. A little behind the curtains there. Yeah. Damn. Well, that's, that's Ari. Um, should we go into kind of the, 
a, a review portion maybe kind of like a discussion on how people would receive this book and how we ultimately took away from it and what we recommend it things like that because you can't talk about Patrick Rothfuss without like the swirling controversy that is people's thoughts on him and thoughts on these books and this book is such an oddity of a thing uh, that the discussion around it is also kind of uh, confusing so I thought maybe we could devote this last portion of discussion towards just like audience perception and sure recommendation i'll say it's a well i also want to place this in something that's going on for us at least at the time of this recording where there's that post we were just looking at that got over a thousand upvotes at the point that i was was on our all it It was on On, the front page yeah but it's originally from the our fantasy subreddit and it was oh god i don't have the title of it but it was essentially the name of the wind i don't get it it was what it was called something like that i'll pull it up and i don't want to throw any redditors under the bus and uh the, it was the called person. The Name of the Wind, colon, I don't get it, period. Yeah, and the person did say, I don't want to yuck people's yum, uh, which is an expression <laughs> yeah, I don't particularly love, but gets across a point that I'm big on, which is like, look, let people enjoy the stuff they enjoy uh, without trying to say it's objectively bad just because you don't like it. But I, I think it just has put me in this place where the thing that kept going through my head today, Charles was like, we don't deserve Rothfuss. We don't deserve him because <laughs> of the society. way we him. Yeah, we don't, we don't. And I, I think that like these, oftentimes I feel people just don't get Rothfuss's like, I don't know. It's like his soul is, he just wants to, <laughs> tell a beautiful story for its own sake and not have everything be about this destination thing and like having to follow story structure and that's so beautiful and there's that (laughs) charles i don't know if you want to quote i know you like that uh quote from the end notes but you'd have to bleep it out oh Um, yeah i can read it Um, okay so basically, this is in the author's end notes, and even yeah, throughout this whole book, even at the very beginning, Rothfuss is already very insecure about releasing this. He's already been yep. bashed for a decade, so he already is kind of like um, um, nervous about releasing this, that people wouldn't get it, that people wouldn't like it, and um, he, so this is, he's meeting with a friend who had read the book before it was released and he's like i don't know if i should publish this i don't know if it's good enough and here's what he says he goes readers expect certain things people are going to read this and be disappointed it doesn't do what a normal story is supposed to do and then his friend said f those people Uh, those people have stories written for them all the time what about me where's the story for people like me so i read that and i was like what a like cathartic thing to read or to listen to yeah. Rothfuss say and and be like oh it's so true like if you don't like the story that's totally fine but for we do the review of reviews we did them for both of the king killer books and 
we're not we didn't prepare it for this, but I I did read some reviews coming into this and it's very consistent the criticism and one of the things that consistently gets criticized that is to the point where I'm getting frustrated by it is that nothing happens. Like there's no plot. And it's like that's true and if you don't like stories that don't have plot then that's fair to like go away, but is very intentional. It, this is not a story. Like, if you want a story with plot, then like, don't read Slow Regard of Silent Things. Read something else. This is a story for people that, and again, I, I think I've said this in every King Killers episode. Is like for Patrick's writing and his voice and his prose and just enjoying these moments and and enjoying these descriptions and these interesting ways to phrase things where they don't make sense but they also give you that vibe at the same time. It's like really beautiful writing and and it's it's only like a hundred something pages if, if that and so which is a very smart thing i think patrick did was to keep it short because it's it's like a beautiful captured moment is what it feels like and that's what makes it so good and and so to, to criticize that nothing happens it's like f those people man they can read a thousand million other stories this is a story that for all intents and purposes, would never exist. It's like, this is why we don't deserve it, you know? It's like, when we get something new and exciting, we bash it for not conforming with everything else. It's like, let an artist be an artist and take these moments... I don't know if I'd go as far as saying a, a moment of being brave, but certainly a moment of being true to himself and, like, publishing something like this when everyone's waiting for a third book. I don't... I forget how many years people had already been raiding uh for this for book three by the time this was released but it was so this was 2014 that it was released and i don't remember wise man's fear i feel like it's 2011 but i don't want to say the wrong thing so i'm kind of half looking yeah 2011 okay so three years people are waiting for this third book right and and then to release something that's in the king killer world that's not king killer and not only that but it's also not like a conforming story it's a very loose like no plot, no character, one character, like very unique story. And it, it's a bold move. And for a lot of people would, could get very confused by that. And the reviews are pretty scathing here. I'll just give you a, a really quick review. It's a uh, Rothfuss's new novella quote, things are picked up and then set down elsewhere. Certainly lives up to its title. If you have a sexual fetish for descriptions of things moved from one place to another, look out because Christmas has come effing early. So it's like, <laughs> oh my, that so, I mean, like we've been saying. Well, okay, I want to start by pacifying people. Where Charles Charles came in hot, a little hot with the f those people. I know he's quoting. And that's a it, quote from the end. But I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying we don't. We think it's fine to not like this book and yes. that's okay and there's if you great want criticism books... of rothfuss's writing out there very well founded <laughs> okay they exist and if you want books that have plot and conflict and more than one characters that which is a very fair thing to want yes. then uh, go ahead and pick up any book off the fantasy sci-fi section uh of your local uh, bookstore library and I almost c- can guarantee you it will have a plot yes. and multiple characters Yes, and <laughs> you don't have to read this novella if it's not for you and at the same time the 
fact that people feel the need to write so many scathing reviews about this goes back for me to this we don't deserve profits and and almost like this like this is why we can't have nice things yeah it's like i feel that so much we get this beautiful book that totally bucks all of the things that you're supposed to do with a story and i enjoyed a lot and sounds like you enjoyed a lot too charles and (laughs) vi in that story very much enjoyed it which is what made her want to say f those people and (laughs) i think there's no reason why you have to be angry that one book (laughs) happens to not (laughs) adhere to all these things that you want every book to adhere to and as vi notes in that end note there's plenty of books out there that are doing the things that you want and you can enjoy those and i think like this the willingness to accept read and at least let yourself try to enjoy these books that are a little different like this is what allows artists to be adventurous and to try these new things and why would anyone be motivated to try innovative new things if they're gonna just get trashed for the sheer (laughs) sake of trying something different like not even that it's a bad job of doing the different thing but the fact that it's different is the reason why you're trashing that's another it. thing like these books sell well too they sell really really well and yet you know because for one thing or another the the time between books has gotten to be so long people did feel a strong connection and, and feel left hanging that all of a sudden like you can even write a good book and sell millions of copies and and still get trashed to the point where he had to have his friend tell him F those people before he felt confident enough to even publish this thing. So I, I, I sympathize with a lot of people's frustrations with the whole experience that is being a fan of the, of the King killer Chronicles. But at the Uh same time, I recognize Rothfuss as someone who is such an amazing writer who spends so much time and effort and a lot of his own like, I can sense that he's putting a lot of his own, like, sanity on the line making these things. And they're beautiful works of art. And to try and say, to try and bash them just because they don't, they aren't like other stories, it, it's so tough. Like, I want to give an artist as much room and, and creative freedom and poetic license as possible to, to take these kind of chances. And I think what the slow regard of silent things kind of captures is that kind of creative, just poetic side that is writing a fantasy book and writing a character and studying a character and studying a particular setting. It's it's really interesting. As someone like that reads a lot of fantasy books, it almost is like this breath of fresh air. But for that to be your criticism, it's like, well, maybe you just kind of... There's a difference between like something doing something bad or, or just something that you just don't doesn't cater to your tastes you know and i think that kind of gets muddled up in people's reviews i think people attack it for those reasons without saying like it's actually good at it it's just not for me you know those two are two very different things that's always that's see charles whenever we do these review of the reviews episodes not that this is one of them but anytime we do those that's always what i'm looking for is just some acknowledgement like hey this wasn't for me uh 
and that's okay that other people like <laughs> this thing and it's amazing how rare that is in in negative <laughs> reviews but uh, people like these gotcha <laughs> moments you know and and it's gotten to the point now it's been so many years since we've heard anything about another book from Patrick that it's become like the popular thing to do like you get kudos for having these gotcha moments and and taking shots at them and things like that so it's almost like starting to encourage people to come out with these opinions <laughs> it's just like i know there's I so many like... good critiques out there but they're kind of getting lost in the voice of like piling on is almost kind of what it feels like like everyone's just piling on their frustrations of like not getting what they want out of patrick it's like <laughs> yeah crazy. i mean somehow it feels like you and i charles are swimming against the current when we are saying that this best-selling book is good and that we like it and that the main character is interesting and worthwhile and this kind of stuff and it's so weird because i like i can always hear the the retorts uh coming of like look they're like the even me saying we this is why we can't have nice things or <laughs> saying we don't deserve Rothfuss because people aren't receiving him the right way. Obviously, he's sold a ton of books, and if you look at at least the Goodreads ratings of the two main books in the trilogy, it, the overall rating is quite good, even if the top reviews you'll see list as helpful or whatever are often scathing. But if you think for a second, after reading Rothfuss's own commentary on his trepidations leading into writing and releasing this book, that this backlash against him has not played a role in stymieing his creativity and keeping him from potentially even releasing the main third book of the King Killer Chronicle, Doors of Stone, then I think that's... I think that you're putting your head in the sand over there because Rothfuss is clearly affected by all of these reactions to him. And you're cutting off your nose to spite your face if you're someone who <laughs> loves these books and wants the third book to come out and then starts screaming about it and giving one star on goodreads <laughs> like that one review we read way back yeah. Charles, i was like both of these books are awesome one star when's the don't bother you know like it's, yeah it's, don't it's, bother yeah i mean i try because i fear sometimes my public image when i defend these books against criticism is that people think that i'm just kind of overlooking the 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 fair criticism of this book and that anyone that doesn't like this book doesn't get it. And so their critique is invalid. And that's not necessarily the case. Like there's a lot of fair criticism out there and you can see in review of reviews, we do give kudos to people that I would disagree with, but fully understand like the things with the Florian and the things about it being 1200 pages. And like, uh -huh. those are all Fair. And there's a lot of fair things in this book, too. Like, it is not a book I would necessarily readily recommend. I think you would have to be someone who's read a ton of fantasy and is just looking to read something new and different. Or you'd have to be a huge Rothfuss fan who hasn't already read this book, you know? So, um, but I... <sighs> For me, it's like I'm trying to also put myself in the head of I just finished book two like 
as we're recording this like two weeks ago. So I haven't been the guy that's waiting 15 years for this for this book, right? I didn't read um, The Name of the Wind on release, and I've been a fan for 15 years. Mm-hmm. But I have read Game of Thrones, like, over a decade ago. Like, I have been in that, like, you know, I read Harry Potter from day one and then waited the eight, nine years it took, however long it took for the last book to come out. Like, I I understand people's frustrations. It's, it's something where it's like, oh, and that's the large reason why I didn't pick up the King Killer Chronicles in the first place. Like it was on my to read list 10 years ago, back in 2014 when we were coming up with things to read. And I just straight up kept looking over it for a lot of these reviews that we talked about in review reviews said like, don't bother. It's not done yet. And it's nowhere near in sight. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. I'm not, why would I bother picking that up when there's so many completed works out there I can read through first, but I, what a lot of those reviews are missing is just like you said, it's it's like a game of talk. It's like the it's just for the love of the game and making a beautiful game. It's a beautiful game. And Patrick is a unique voice in the world of modern fantasy, and that alone gets a lot of respect from me. And not only the fact that his unique voice just also happens to be insanely talented. Like forget like that's just a whole nother level. And that's why he sold more books than anybody except maybe George and, and JK. But it's um, it's it, it would be a shame to kind of tarnish the reputation of these books by being frustrated in the short term. And that's when you say we don't deserve him. I'm totally in, in line with that. And it's unfortunate, but it is it is the reality. Um, so I'll, well, I'll, it, it's just such a contentious discussion. I know. And I feel like you know, you say you have you've just read these books recently. Uh, I haven't read it, waiting the full. It'd be thirteen years at the time of this recording, or so, since um, since Name of the Wind came out. So I've been waiting. I have not been waiting thirteen years by any means for this um, for this third book to come out. But I, you know, I guess we just figured out it's been six for me, and eh, I feel pretty decent about. <laughs> the fact that I haven't wavered at all during that time uh, in in feeling the same way that Ari does, uh, which is that <laughs> besides there was a dignity to doing things in your own time. Yeah. <laughs> very, that and, can be translated right. as a very meta kind of <laughs> thing for Patrick. <laughs> yeah. I, well, that one and the one I think I read earlier, which was, oh, yes, it was well worth it doing things the proper way. Yes. Is... <laughs> so Rothfuss, and it's similar to what I mentioned way back in our episodes about the name of the wind. I think it was that <laughs> Rothfuss has a line from Quoth that's like nearly perfect isn't good enough for me, or something like that. Right. And I think Rothfuss, all this stuff gets across in the his characters that this is how he sees things and I don't know in the same way Rothfuss says that he likes Ari so much because it feels like uh, she's a little bit broken and and Rothfuss feels a little bit broken himself Mm -hmm. is I I think the world just is having trouble accepting Rothfuss and that is making it hard for Rothfuss to really just 
be a part of this world and the fantasy community in a way that is not receiving a ridiculous amount of criticism. Yeah. In a so way it's that's like constructive, too. Yeah. It's like Rothfuss can either do things the way he sees as the proper way in the way that Ari sees like, okay, the world's got to be a certain way because that's the proper way. Rothfuss is trying to do that for himself and (laughs) everyone else is just stomping about in his under thing. (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more. I would say you have quite an understanding of the ways of Patrick Rothfuss. (laughs) So, (laughs) I I don't know if there's much more to say beyond that. You understand the nature of things here, for sure. Well, you know, first you you set yourself to rights, and then your house, and then your corner of the sky. And after that, well, then she didn't rightly know know what happened next. And and I... (laughs) That's how I feel. You yes. know, you can control what you can control. <laughs> and uh, then you just let things happen. Yeah. I well, love these Ari quotes. They're, they're so good. The book is good just for quotes where like you read them and you love them and then you try and remember them and you're like, oh, there's so many, but it's so good. And, you know, it's, it's just a great book for that. So many good moments throughout it. And even though nothing happens, it's like the reader describe a key or a blanket or a cog or anything, a door, a room is very interesting. And like you said, we don't deserve office. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it is a it was a good a good piece, and anyone who reads fantasy as excessively as we do would should give it a shot whether it's for them or not it's certainly a different style that's worth um researching and learning about and rothfuss will always have a safe place to enter the conversation of fantasy here (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) we will always talk about him in a fair safe way because we don't need the internet points for just straight up bashing him (laughs) that's one thing you can get out of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast is we we refuse to just bow down to the mighty internet's <laughs> opinion on things. We know it's not the hip thing to think right now. Yes, that, we can feel uh, the, the will of is like, good. our fantasy pulling its way of things down on us, but we're not going <laughs> to bend fully. You know, we do well, want to... We'll concede where we see you as making fair criticisms, but you know you're gonna get you're gonna get the honest truth. <laughs> Whether you like <laughs> trying to it do or these Rothfussisms <laughs> at this point, <laughs> the honest truth, yeah. <laughs> like that's redundant, but I feel like it means something. But you're gonna get that from us at the FDF podcast because uh, we we just don't know any other way. So true. And with that, we're left with this moment, this moment of uh, almost a, a certain finality where we um, have talked about our last bit of work from Rothfuss. So there, there's short stories out there, but this is the last like book. This is like King Killer 2.5, and there's no three. So Yet. Yet. And but we, we eagerly await. <laughs> eagerly await, the... but we also understandingly uh, we eagerly and patiently. Yes, wait. like a like a glacier 
<laughs> or a mountain. <laughs> I, I, <I'm laughs> like <laughs> glaciers move really oh, slowly, child. you know. But but certainly, just just like us waiting for book three. We're look. Okay, there's a reason Rothfuss has sold millions of books, and I haven't sold any. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, Charles. That's fair. Not gonna argue. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and start playing us out now, unless you have anything else to say are we good here i think we're good here i think we're good here too so thank you everybody so much for listening this was our last little piece of the king killer chronicles uh, the slow regard of silent things by patrick rothfuss thank you so much for listening this has been a pleasure Uh, i'm so glad that way back when dylan had pitched this series and was our first choice from our friends pitching fantasy and i couldn't think of a more worthy series uh, besides I mean, this has been a great time it's been yeah. a great time and we're looking forward to more work from patrick in the meantime be sure to check out more of the friends talking fantasy channel we got so many other series in the works, so many other hot takes uh, whether they're whether they're with or against popular opinion and up for contention, but rest assured they are hot. Yeah, Charles and I coming in with hot takes like this best-selling book <laughs> is good. Yes, all other kinds of controversy you can get used to here on the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Thank you everybody for listening, and as always, go forth and conquer, friends. I always like to end on the on the drums. It's a nice effect. <laughs>